Hello and welcome to the Georgia Tech Catholic Center podcast. I'm the chaplain here, Father Branson. Welcome as we begin a new semester. What you're going to hear is actually a recording from Renew, one of our nights of praise and worship and adoration. And it's a talk given by the priest in residence here, Father Michael Bremer. We wanted to particularly, we've been pushing this semester, uh, like the desire for the students to learn more and more, like how to pray and how to enter into a holy hour. This being like something essential for all of us, but I think for Father Michael and I and so many of us that are like digging into like the life of prayer, been just a huge aspect of our life. So we wanted to like offer a night specifically on prayer and how to pray. And so what you're going to hear is a recording of Father Michael talking about his experience and kind of helping us to enter into prayer. Um, so we hope like that this is helpful and we would like ask all of our students and like those that are able to, to even commit to signing up for a holy hour here at the Georgia Tech Catholic Center. And the information will be in the show notes. Thanks so much, and uh, God bless, and we'll see you guys. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Father Michael. I'm a priest in residence here at the Georgia Tech Catholic Center, and I've been invited by Father Branson to speak just briefly about prayer. So, <laughs> let's go ahead and begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. This is a reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. So the entire context of this talk will be about prayer. And the reason why I picked that gospel is because I actually have a little bit of a confession to make. (laughs) And I apologize if Father Branson ends up listening to this, but I am actually a little bit of a fraud. (laughs) What do I mean by that? Well, in Romans chapter 8, Paul himself admits that we don't know how to pray as we ought. But it's the Holy Spirit that comes to our aid with inexpressible groanings, teaching us to pray as we ought. And then also, too, it's Jesus that teaches us how to pray, specifically from Luke chapter 11. It says, Jesus was praying at a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So the reason why I call myself a fraud is because I actually don't know how to pray. Romans chapter 8 verifies that. (laughs) And it turns out that I don't know how to teach people how to pray, right? When John points two of his disciples towards Jesus, and when Jesus' disciples themselves come up to him to ask him how to follow him and and how to pray, Jesus has to teach them. (laughs) Recently, I've been at St. Pius High School, and ironic, well, actually probably appropriately enough, um, I've had to learn that learning is a lifelong process. As much as I love to have things figured out, learning will always be a disposition of my heart, as difficult as it is. And so what I come to recognize of my own experience is that every single time I enter into prayer, Jesus has to teach me over again how to pray. So whenever I do enter into my holy hour or whenever I begin to pray Liturgy of the Hours, I begin, my instinct is to begin to make this about myself. But what Jesus just very gently does, he says, no, there's something bigger here. 
And so what I begin to recognize is that in being able to admit that I'm a fraud, I have two options. I can either ignore that fact or try and pretend it's not the case. Or in recognizing that I don't know how to pray, I begin to go somewhere. And again, that's what we see the disciples do in, in a few of these different stories. And in fact, when I become okay with being a fraud and not knowing how to pray, what begins to happen is I begin to move towards something. In fact, what I begin to do is I begin to go to someone to teach me how to pray, whether that be the Holy Spirit or Jesus. And just so I can appease Father Branson, and so he doesn't kick me out of living here, I'm going to quote a man named Luigi Giussani, <laughs> which I'm sure many of y'all have heard of uh, before. So when we look at what moves the wheels of history, is not the politician, it's not the entertainer, it's not the scientist, it's not the one who's in power. So Luigi Giussani says, the protagonist of history is the beggar, man that begs for Christ, and Christ's heart that begs for man. The protagonist of history is the beggar. So in being okay and being able to admit that I am a fraud and I don't know how to pray, I go to a certain place. I go to a certain person, and it's there that as a beggar I receive what I'm really desiring. I really desire to know how to pray. But it becomes a little bit more poignant, because I'm not just going to any type of um, person who's willing to give a donation. I'm not going to a philanthropist. I'm not going to someone who's just simply uh, trying to get me out of their way, who's who I'm themselves burdening their heart. No. Being a beggar in this case, as difficult as that is to admit in and of itself, what I begin to recognize is that I'm a specific kind of beggar. What it begins to recognize and point towards is that I have a specific kind of need, right? The beggar becomes more pronounced when I begin to recognize that I'm actually a child of God, right? I am a beloved son, and you listening to this are a beloved son or a beloved daughter. And so this comes a little bit later in the same chapter of Luke. So again, his disciples are seeing Jesus pray. And when Jesus stops praying, they say, oh, I want that. And they ask Jesus to teach them. So Jesus has a few different parables, but there uh, in chapter 11, verse 9, he begins to say, And I tell you, ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And here's the key. What father among you would hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish? Or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? If you then, who are wicked, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So I come to recognize that I don't know how to pray. I come to recognize that I need to go somewhere to someone to learn how to pray. And when I begin to recognize that even before this desire or this reality was provoked and reverenced and recognized within my heart, there is a loving Father who has desired to provide all this for me. But what begins to happen, though, is something really wonderful, even as difficult as it is. Because being able to admit that I'm a fraud, being able to admit that I'm a beggar, being able to admit that I'm a child of God, oftentimes is very difficult. Right? Oftentimes it has baggage or misunderstanding attached to it. It might be difficult for me to declare my dependency, right? We might ask the question, why should I pray? The question, why should I pray, is conditional upon a deeper question, which we'll get to here in a second. 
But for example, whenever I look at my own life and the trajectory and the sort of yeah, direction that my life has taken in terms of the development of prayer, it's really important for me to answer that question, why do I pray? So when I look early on in my childhood, what I came to recognize is that I did so out of pure obedience, right? To pray to God was simply a checklist that I could check off and then move on with. But eventually I had a conversion experience, but there was still a lot of darkness and baggage within my heart. So what I came to recognize is that why did I pray at this phase in my life, especially in college after my conversion experience? Why did I pray? Well, I prayed to try and impress God. But again, there's a loving Father who desires so much more for me in my life. And so that began to meld and change. And so in seminary, experiencing God, more of his love, why did I pray? Well, in that phase of my life, it was allowing him to get closer to me. But if I had to answer the question, why do I pray now? It's because I've fallen in love. <laughs> and so prayer becomes very easy. In this phase in my life, that could change. So it's not to be taken for granted. The reason why I said, why pray? Because why do I pray? is conditional upon who I believe God to be. So for example, early on in my life, when I prayed to God out of pure obedience, is because I believed God to be a type of genie, or a type of ATM machine, or a type of overlord that simply wants me to check boxes. That phase in my life where I tried to impress God was very similar, but it's a little bit of a nuance, right? But I didn't believe God to be who he actually was. But over the course of my time and my commitment of prayer and ultimately God's grace and his guidance in it, um, whether that be in prayer or by spiritual directors, as I began to move from pure obedience to impress God, the why became dependent on the who, and the who became more clarified, more truthful. Right? It turns out that God is not some overlord. He's a person who loves me. So then came the phase of allowing him to get close as to why I was praying because of who I was believing God to be. God is approachable, and in fact, God wants to approach me to the point where he came to reveal to me my own goodness, but most importantly, for him to reveal to me his goodness. And so why do I pray? Because I'm in love with him? Well, simply because I've come to know who he is. And so it gets at one of the foundational aspects of prayer, mistrust of God is normally because of a misimage of God. And prayer is one of the places that that gets purified, right? Talking to someone trusted is, a, is another place that gets purified. But why do I pray is predicated upon to whom am I praying, or who is this person in front of me? And again, if I don't trust God, well, I need to go somewhere with that for me to come to understand who he actually is, right? Who is this person in front of me? So one of the most fundamental questions of prayer, and I want to keep this really simple because we can talk the rest of our lives about prayer and it become really complicated. I can't remember if it was Da Vinci or if it was Aristotle, but they said, simplicity is sophistication. So I'm just going to invite you, especially as you commit yourselves to holy hours throughout, the, throughout the, um, your time here at Georgia Tech, or even like when you go home, or even if something of like Liturgy of the Hours or the Rosary, I just want to invite you to ask one simple question. One simple interrogative pronoun, I should say. Don't ask why. Don't ask why I should pray. Don't ask what I should pray about. Don't ask how should I pray. Don't ask when should I pray. Don't ask where should I pray. But keep it very simple. Who is this person in front of me? 
That's especially true in, uh, in the holy hour. Who is this person in front of me? But also to ask the question too, who does this person who is in front of me say who I am? <laughs> right? Who is this person in front of me? And who does this person say that I am? Because what we begin to recognize is that this is the foundation of all of it. Not what kind of prayer, but who is this person in front of me? Because what begins to get revealed is that this person in front of me is the one who loves me for who I am. Right? It's the one person who can unconditionally love me perfectly. Right? Who is this person in front of me? Well, here's one of the keys I want you to really hone in on. Many of y'all I know are grateful towards God, even if there is some resentment that you hold towards him based on some experience or set of experiences or some relationship in your life. I know many of y'all are very grateful to God, but have you ever gotten the sense of how grateful God is for you? Because if it's true that he created you and he declared you good and declared you beloved son or beloved daughter, then you have to imagine that as you give your presence to him in time and space in this holy hour or set of prayers, you probably have to imagine that he's actually really grateful that you've given your time, your energy, your attention, and your affection, and your focus towards him. So again, who is this person in front of me? It's the one who's grateful that I'm here. <laughs> and then watch what that does to your own heart. Wow. I'm even more grateful than I was before to be here. So who am I? I'm the one who's grateful for his gratitude. And it begins to speak the truth about who we are and begins to re reveal even more deeply the truth about how I am in relationship with him. And this relationship is everything. Who is this person and who am I? So I want to leave with you all three different images. Again, we could say a whole ton more about prayer, because how to pray, when to pray, where to pray, what to pray, why to pray, those are questions to be asking, but it's very simply, I want to keep this simple. Who is this person in front of me and who am I? So the first image I want to draw you to is Luke chapter 15. Many of y'all are very familiar with it, right? It's the story of the prodigal son. Here the prodigal son himself is returning back from all of his, <laughs> his whatever, and he remembers, who is this person that helped me belong? Right? He's remembering his father and how the many servants that his father currently has, even the servants live better than how he currently does. And as he's returning home, it's revealed about who the father is. This father is grateful that his son has returned. So whether they're talking about sin and returning from that, recognizing how grateful the father is to receive the son again, to receive his child or it could be as simple as, I'm sitting here in my holy hour very distracted, and I simply turn my attention back to who this person is in front of me, and I see that gratitude, that embrace. Hey, welcome back. <laughs> Even if it was just a few seconds for some trivial kind of distraction. So anything from our sin to a trivial distraction, whenever I return back to the Father, it's revealed who he is, and it reveals who I am. The Father doesn't get excited for some stranger or for some anonymous person to come back. No, the father is grateful because the child, his child has returned. So it reveals something a little bit about who I am, the excitement of who the father is. The second image comes from John chapter four. <clears throat> Many of y'all are familiar with this image as well. It's the story of the woman at the well. Jesus begins the conversation 
give me a drink. Who is this person that's in front of me? Who is this person to whom I'm praying? Well, it turns out that Jesus reveals who he is as the one who is thirsty for me. And then it turns out that who I am, my identity is revealed as the one who quenches his thirst. <laughs> it's kind of a wonderful reality to enter into for prayer. That in entering into this holy hour, in praying my rosary, in praying liturgy of the hours, or even just a simple glance to God in the busyness of the day for a few seconds, I'm the one who quenches his thirst, and I see the thirst that he has for me. Again, who is this person in front of me, and who does this person in front of me reveal who I am? And then finally, I want to just point your, your attention to probably one of the profoundest lines, I think, from the Gospels, and it's a blink and you miss it line. It's John 17, verse 6. John chapter 17, verse 6. So this is the Last Supper discourse, and Jesus is praying to his Father for his disciples, and he's raising his eyes to heaven, and he says a simple line, Father, I revealed your name to those whom you gave me out of the world. They belong to you, and you gave them to me. So this image here is just really beautiful. We can just look at Jesus looking at his Father, and the Father has revealed your name you, the person who clicked on this podcast, or however you're listening to this thing. The Father has revealed your name to Jesus, and Jesus has received you, your name, into his heart and thought, yes, here I am at the Last Supper, and I desire to die, to love you. And so Jesus sees the sweetness that your name is, and he says your name back to the Father. And the Father is happy to receive the sacrifice of his Son on your behalf. And all the while that Jesus and the Father are saying your name to each other, the Holy Spirit just very gently, very sweetly, and very fierily <laughs> brings your name between the two of them. So there you are right there at the heart of the Trinity, right? Just being named and being given between the three of them. So again, there's more to be said about prayer, but just very gently as you commit yourself, as you lay down your life, as you give your time to God, in this holy hour or however you decide to, to pray this semester. Just very simply recognize that anytime you do, God is grateful for your presence. God is grateful for the things that you bring before him. Even if you yourself are not grateful for these various things that you have in your life, God is grateful to receive them. God is grateful for you. And how does your heart stirred because he's grateful for you? There could be some skepticism, yes. I can't help but wonder how grateful your heart is right now to know that God is grateful for you. <laughs> so let's go ahead and close in prayer. Loving Jesus, thank you for each and every one of these people. And I know that you are grateful for them as well. As they desire deeper prayer, grant them their heart's desire because you desire the exact same thing. I simply ask that you continue to guide us, that you continue to protect us, that you continue to let your light shine upon us. Guide us close to your Father's heart, where we will know that we are loved and that we belong. I ask that you bless each and every one of us, all the days of our life, especially in this given moment. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Thank you all so much, and may God bless you. <laughs> Amen.